shining a beacon on the bazaar. Here to hammer into this old shutter. It's going well, mate. It's going well. We're proper batting down. Oh, it's good. We've got to get all the shutters up ready for the uh, ready for the oncoming yeah. storms. Yeah, can't get really up, mate. Are we? Yeah, yeah. Is a bad weather coming? Yeah, mate. It's bad. It's bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is We've it? got to get really, really, honestly, mate. Yeah, yeah. All oh, right. I didn't realise. Keep hammering, mate. I've not, I've not checked the weather reports recently, but you know, yeah. I mean, I no, keep hammering, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's always, is it going to be sort of like, is it rain, is it snow? Well, it's could rain a lot of things, mate, yes, yes. Rain yeah. a lot of things, yeah, right, yeah, okay, yeah. right. Yeah. Well, what's that whistling about? Um, oh, my God, that's a rock! It's all right, just, just finish Wait, off that window. It's, it, it's all the coral, what's going on? Um, oh, my God, looking out to see all the dolphins. Just get the raft, get the door shut down. Oh, go in. Yeah, we'll go, come on, everything's over right. now. Let's just lock the door, lock the fucking door. Why, why do you have a word with your, your girlfriend, Angela? No, no, mate, no, don't bring her in. We, we, we've had a bit of a... It's all gone a bit tits up, mate. It's gone a bit... We've had a bit of a fallout. Well, I'll tell you, it's no good bloody dating a dolphin, is it? Wait, wait, I didn't know that at the beginning of it, but it's gone proper south, mate. They're going, oh. They don't like the interbreeding. God. Oh, my God, I can hear the bloody rock. <laughs> it's, a, it's her old man, honestly. He's well bloody angry. It's no Bruce, you, mate. It's Bruce. Sh- you should have got a blowout like that, shouldn't you? <laughs> I didn't know you were watching. I thought we were behind rock balls. Oh, mate, he's proper oh pissed, mate. I swear to God. God. I think we're all right now, though. The cat do windows in. Bloody hell, fireball. Man, like I say, I wonder why your wetsuit was in that condition that time. <laughs> <laughs> it was quite a wild ride, I kid, but it's over with now. Well, over. I should think so. You you know, stick to things you know now. You know, things exactly. like, uh, you know, whelks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sea urchins. Yeah, that kind of I swear to God, the itch I've got at the moment, I'm never going back, mate. Well, wow. that's the problem with the cracking cove, isn't it, you see? Mm. It's just no girls, is there? <laughs> <laughs> it's better than you. <laughs> Anything's better than me. <laughs> because this is Crack and Cove, the podcast that shines a beacon on the bazaar. And I'm Matt. I'm Benny. And this is a podcast now that we're actually going to sort of like find all sorts of weird, strange stories, go look through the news, go look through history. And we're going to find all sorts of strange things to talk, tell you about all very interesting as well never dull never a dull moment never never <laughs> <laughs> stay on the kid <laughs> you're the one who'd been bumming a dolphin for the last part right it's over let's not bring it up don't tell anymore God, I hope nothing gets broke man you seen the flippers I don't think we can flip anything they can't the I've line. seen yeah we're trying to get like they can't get up there yeah, no, so the windows are all sorted they'll soon tie you down they'll yeah they'll tie, tie down that's the dolphins all around isn't it? exactly yeah, lazy we'll, bastards we'll just <laughs> chuck a few tins of tuna at them and they'll be happy as Larry again <laughs> So, you know, what I think we should do now, or inside, you know, what, what do you think? Do you want to be at the kitchen, or do you want to go upstairs to the fire? Well, scullery would be nice. We haven't been there for a while. Yeah, we can set yeah. a scullery, can't we? We can open nice. a tin of spam or two. Yeah, yeah, just get the munchy cold. Yeah, let's get it on. Yeah, so let's get it on in the scullery, uh, and we'll do a bit of casting. before that you know we, we can go we, we go not just through sort of uh, the newspapers and things but we we also go through history as well now um this is one thing that i has fascinated me for ages is this right uh, and this is a um it's actually a, a website which is looking for something 
<laughs> Dagen. Donge dolphin dog. It's going to stick with you, that. I know. I know. fishy smell. Fucking honks, you should smell it raw. We bounce her off, it's disgusting. Tried everything. Silly bang to get it up. But no, this is. This is a story, right, which I've been fascinated with. In fact, I might even say it got me into 14 subjects. Wow. Right, right. So, so in the year 1886, the Tombstone, Arizona Epitaph, which helped make Wyatt Earp famous, published a photograph of a huge bird nailed to a wall. The newspaper said it had been shot by two prospectors and hauled into town by wagon. And lined up in front of the bird were six grown men with their arms outstretched, fingertip to fingertip, and the creature measured about 36 feet from wingtip to wingtip. Oh my god, 36 feet? 36 feet. Feathery thing then, or what? Yes. Now, would you like a little seat of a, a drawing of this? Oh, I would love. Right, I'll, I'll show you. Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> right, have you ever seen that? No, photo never, that's it! Right, well, I have. So there's a photo, and that's a drawing of the photo. That's the drawing of the photo. But the, yeah, so there is a photo. There is a photo of this. God, I've, why se- I've seen, seen that? this photo. I've seen this photo numerous times. Right. Yeah. Okay. Now, the writer goes on to say, because this is what the websites are all about, and it says, if you think you've seen this picture described above, you're not alone. Going back more than 50 years, witnesses believe they've stumbled across the haunting image in newspapers, magazines, and books, even on TV or online although there are many fakes. And invariably, when they retrace their steps to locate the source of the photo, it's not there. Mm. It's been wiped from the pages of history. <laughs> now, there's another famous photo, which is of, like, um, uh, I think it's of uh, American Civil War soldiers lined up by a massive bird or, like, a pterodactyl type. I think I've shot. seen that one. Yeah, that's a fake, is that? Is it? That is a fake. Oh, wow. But the barn door one, which I have seen, um, is, is gone. It's completely gone. Now, I've seen it, and I knew of it, and the, uh, the, there's so many other people that also think they've seen it. Like a Mandela effect thing or something. Oh, wow. I think it is. I think this is my version of the Mandela effect. Wow. Because there's, everybody else has talked about like the Mandela effect, and, and no, there's no aspect of it have I ever actually been involved with. Yeah. yeah. Like the whole thing with the Walker's crisps being sort of blue and green yeah. and swapped over. And I remember that. I'm really there yeah. with that one. Well, I wasn't. I, I've always known that the colours have been like, you know, their salt yeah, and vinegar yeah. have been, always been, I can't know which way around it is. I think salt and vinegar has always been green for them. Yeah. And their cheese and onion have always been blue, where yeah. the, other, the other supermarket crisps or sort of other brands of crisps have always been the other way around yeah. that's the Mandela effect so although we have discussed the Mandela effect on here and I will describe quickly what the Mandela effect is it's called the Mandela effect because when um, uh, Nelson Mandela I will be released from prison <laughs> <laughs> that were uncanny that were really good <laughs> <laughs> when, when he was finally released 
<laughs> from prison um, by the just recently um, uh, deceased F.W. de Klerk, actually. He's only just died this week. All right, yeah. So he was the architect of releasing Nelson Mandela from jail, yeah. and he stepped down from the presidency and gave that presidency over to Nelson Mandela. It's a bit trippy with that bit, but yeah. yeah. yeah very, very weird. But I mean, he's a, he's a, F.W. de Klerk was a very, very strange person. In fact, actually, he was very much into uh, apartheid, and he killed person responsible for the death of thousands of people right. so he wasn't a, a good a person guilty, yeah, a bit of a guilty conscience although yeah, so. he did was given along with uh, Nelson Mandela he was he was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize for that oh. year so uh, interesting stuff yeah. um, but when Nelson Mandela was released from prison everybody thought he'd already died in jail yeah, they said yeah. well, well I can remember him dying I can remember being a big outcry about it Nelson Mandela has died and he's like no he hasn't yeah. but in for a lot of people their alternate universe he died in that yeah. So there's quite a few other sort of Mandela effect. The main things. one for me, fucking Monopoly Man. What do you describe the Monopoly Man? Well, for me, I've always thought the Monopoly Man is just like a little chap with a, in, a, in, a, in a suit with a black black top hat. Yeah. But no I'll, monocle. No, not for me. <gasps> what? No, I'm not on that at all. He I, was there, always there with the monocle. Well, this is the thing. I, I've been on a particular track yeah, where yeah. I, he didn't have a monocle for me. Wow. Whereas okay. for a lot of people, they, they swear blind. Yeah, the yeah. Monopoly man has a monocle. Yeah. Um, but the reality is, you know, he never has had one in this reality, as we think. Yeah, yeah. Whereas for me, my reality, there has been this amazing Thunderbird photo. Ah, is that what it's called? A it's Thunderbird? It's the Thunderbird photo. That's wow. what it's called. So, now, I would like, really, honestly, please, will you get in touch with us if you have seen the Thunderbird photo, or remember seeing the Thunderbird photo. So I'll describe it again. It is a, uh, it's like a large barn door. Or, or the side of a barn, that's what it looks like. I will post the drawing of this on our uh, social media, which is, you can contact us on the email at crackandcovepodcast at gmail.com. At Twitter, it's crackandcove. And Instagram, it's crackandcovepod. Uh, we're on Facebook as well, so you just just Google crackandcove and you'll find us there lurking around. But if you have seen this or remember seeing this picture, please get in touch and let us know. Um, Who drew the picture? Well, the the the, uh, the website. I haven't got the website to hand actually of this, but um, it's um, I think it's called missingthunderbirdphoto.com or something like wow. that. I've got them all. This person is so obsessed with trying to find it. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? They're really after sort of trying to find it. But it's so I will describe it again, and it's uh, it's a, basically it looks like a massive eagle. Nailed. <laughs> it's a comedy eagle, though, yeah, isn't it? You know yeah, what I mean? It's just yeah. like, well, well, in my my remembering of the drawing is the head was a lot more drooped, as if it had been uh, shot. Yeah, it was like yeah. a proper like this yeah, bird dead animal. Yeah. Type, yeah, and it it hung with weight. You could see the weight, yeah. and for my my recollection of this drawing, the bird wasn't as bulky. Yeah, it yeah. looked like a proper bird. Yeah, but just on a huge scale, and there was these sort of like five guys standing fingertip to fingertip. Arms outstretched to show the actual size of the bird. Yeah. So, and I remember it very distinctly from a lot of magazines, publications, sort of strange goings on. Because I used to get a lot of like odd books, sort yeah, of thing, yeah. when I get it. and it was in all those sorts of books. It's disappeared. It's just gone now. Oh, this. Why didn't I see it though? If you were reading those books, yeah. I said I can't read that movie. <laughs> Well, it might have been that you were temporarily not in that same reality. Mm, another Benny we, were there. Yeah, another Benny were there. We saw why we crossed the path. Who are you? This is it. So that's what I'm starting with. I'm starting. That's with it. really good. Like one of my fourteen origins is, yeah. the, is the the missing Thunderbird photo, which also seems to have been cross pollinated to become a Mandela effect yeah. as well. Could that fly, that one that's feasible? 
to fly something that big to like trot around and fly and well it wasn't that long ago that there was actually a giant eagle of that say it was called the Haast eagle h a a s t eagle wow. right and the Haast eagle was um in the southern hemisphere of the world yeah, it yeah. was about um very much australia round towards new zealand and places like that cool. Uh, and it wasn't actually far off the size of this bird. Yeah, yeah. And the re- is this back in the day? You know, like like before humans, is it prehistoric kind well, of? Well, it was actually of a time this creature was about this this amazing hunter because what it hunted was like the um, uh, the large like have you heard of the mower? You know, which is a giant walking bird sort of oh, thing. Like yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. yeyeah. yeah. It, it hunted that kind of creature. Yeah. And as a result, these creatures are called megafauna. Yeah. And so the megafauna was kicking about after, um, sort of after the ice. I think it was after after the ice age, or yeah, during yeah. the ice age, or something like that. Megafauna was about sort of like giant sloths, uh, woolly mammoths. <laughs> Sounds funny times, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah like really crazy things, shit. Yeah. Yeah. You got your smelodon, which was your saber-toothed tiger. Wow. So you got things which were large specialist creatures, which were sort of roaming around just munching things. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and as a result of the being big creatures around. Um, they had to have big hunters as well. Right, so, yeah. for example, like the uh, the cave bear of the time yeah. was fucking massive. <laughs> um, same thing as the cave lion of the of the era. How did he get in caves if it was so big? <laughs> big caves, I can. <laughs> big everything. Big everything. <laughs> big caves back then. Before those, we only got little caves. Big caves went extinct. <laughs> <laughs> but you know that's what that's what you had. You had these these large the the the, the predators had to be big. Yeah, yeah. And there was even at the time as well there was even like a giant hyena kind of thing. Oh, which fuck. Was and there was another creature which uh, stalked the American plains, mm-hmm. which was I think it was actually known as like a short nosed bear or something. Yeah. It wasn't actually related to the bear. If I remember rightly, I'm just sort of yeah, remembering yeah. off the old off the old dome here. Yeah. But it was like a large. Imagine a, a four, went on for all fours mostly. Yeah, huge creature, uh-huh. and it just kind of like loped, almost like a, a hyena, a massive hyena loped yeah, along yeah, after yeah. things, wore down sort of creatures and hunted them down, oh, and when they got fatigued, and they they this was like the the one of the top predators of the American yeah. plains was this big old short nosed bear, I think it was called, uh, and so you had these amazing. So the this eagle, the harst eagle, which was kicking about. Yeah, yeah. And it was there at the time of humans. Because they had it in Jason and Argonauts, didn't they? they? Did, well, that was the rock. Uh, but what is to say the rock, a gigantic predatory bird, yeah. wasn't um, wasn't about at the time of the writing of like the, Thal- the Arabian Nights and that yeah, sort of stuff. Yeah. We have it as a, as a consciousness. We have a memory of this creature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the way it used to strike was e- even more terrifying. It waited and soared above. And so they saw people like drinking. <laughs> uh, taking a dump as yeah. well. Like, oh, yeah, but he's, no. he's things like that. When no, people, you're taking a dump. So when you're when they're sort of like indisposed, and it would strike from behind, oh. and it would fly it with full force, and then with the talons, it would just bang and just basically punch its talons through your skull from the back, oh, destroying the brain and the uh, your, your, no, your, yes. your nerve nerve yeah, system at yeah. the back, and just wiping you out with one hit. Shit. And then it just kind of rip you apart on the ground and take bits away, you know. <laughs> and that it was big Whoa. enough to do that, and it could, you know, it, it just absolutely slay. So this to me is the Harst Eagle. Yeah, it's probably a bigger version, perhaps, but that's 
what memory is it? So, yeah, you know, yeah. it's the Thunderbirds. Oh, that's old. it. Yeah. So do you reckon that website's drawn that picture then? The, the, the website has, yeah. the, the person who runs the website has actually commissioned the, uh, the, yeah. the, that piece of art. Yeah. So we'll be putting on our Instagram and on our Twitter feeds. So have a little look at it and see if you've seen it before. Yeah, and get in touch if you've seen it. Yeah. Wowzers. The From eagle that. itself, maybe seen a massive eagle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> sort of like something of a historic interest there you know which still could be relevant nowadays to something which is bang up to date and this is uh, a community is fuming after bright pink Pornhub casting cars appear in a posh town centre <laughs> <laughs> whoa casting cars casting cars wow so residents of an upmarket community were shocked to see cars seemingly advertising pornography website Pornhub parked up outside their homes and businesses. <laughs> and this is by Ethan Blackshaw and Adam Robinson for the Daily Star. <laughs> quality. A quality rag. <laughs> and the vehicles were painted bright pink and popped up around the town centre of Ilkley in Yorkshire. Wow, very near the cove. <laughs> and a lot of people will have heard of Ilkley because it's quite a famous little sort of like a market town, the gateway to the Dales sort yeah, of thing. Yeah. And it is very upmarket in its own little way. Very posh. Uh, very posh, mm. yeah. It's, you know, it's all sort of tea rooms and things like this. Yeah. It's some nice little pubs. It has, it happens yeah. it's, not, it's not great for a pub crawl. It's, you yeah. won't go on the lash. You know, Ilkley, yeah, yeah. You know. But... The idea of like being a porn hub casting car, rocking up. <laughs> and these cars have got like blacked out windows. I'll show Betty a quick picture of these cars. Oh God, <laughs> yeah, like you can actually shoot the porn in there. Yeah. Or something, well, yeah. I think that's meant to be the idea, uh... right? You know. So people felt it were inappropriate, especially considering the porn hub casting car message emblazoned on the rear windows of the cars. Some were especially concerned given the amount of children walking about the busy market town centre. One of the cars was spotted near a school. God. Not very appropriate, is it? I tell you, the artist in there is you've got a foot. What's porn up? And you just Google it, bang. It's all dicks and fannies. Yeah, it's like straight in, aren't you? Straight in, it's a bit much, is that? So, one woman who lives in the area said, I think it's disgusting. I wrote a post it note which I was going to place on the windscreen. It said, Please park somewhere else. It's highly inappropriate as there are children walking along the road. Oh, God. She could have stopped it in one single blast, couldn't well, she, with that post it note? She was really going to knock it down, blow them out of the water with Whoa. that post it note. <laughs> what, she said even more powerful, she goes, I was going to place That's it. what I mean, she didn't even fucking do it. Absolutely toothless old crow. <laughs> <laughs> Another woman said, I saw one parked on Golden Butts Road. This has got sense of humour. And then outside Weatherspoons. Was she chasing it round or something, you dirty cow? What was she doing in spoons? Yeah. Playing slots and having loads of pints of Stella. Yeah. I mean, good grief. I didn't know those were spoons in Elkley, did you? I didn't know. I didn't think they'd allow that sort no, of behaviour. burn it out or yeah. something, you know. I thought it was some sort of stag do going on. I also saw one on Little Lane. I think there were three in all. I think he's a bit keen, don't you? I do, yeah. I bet she's knocking up windows to get a knickers off. No, you don't. I read it. <laughs> you passed it, love. Go on, go. Get out of it. She added, 
they were revolting. Especially the colour. It stood out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, that her, I bet her, um, I bet her opinions always come down to that sentence. Yeah. They were revolting, especially the colour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's used that a lot, yeah. Yeah. all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Every evening when the news is on. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Souter, head teacher of Ashlands Primary School, Ilkley, said. If this fact is accurate, it is completely inappropriate for branding or advertising such as this to be anywhere near a primary school. <laughs> the cars have been apparently poorly spray-painted and have been spotted around Ilkley for a number of days but appear to have moved somewhere else, according to locals. Yeah. But get this. Pornhub's media team told the Daily Star this has nothing to do with Pornhub. I nearly were going to yeah, say that. We do not have casting cars, and we're investigating who may be behind this. Ooh, that's dark. That's real rapey and weird, is it that? It is weird, isn't it? So I'm going to say, le legally, that's a strange one for England, you know what I mean? Just for, you know, trying to recruit and maybe do it straight away. You know, there's consent forms, but it's like near... I won't say touching on prostitution, but it kind of is in a weird way, you know. Well, like I, I, don't, I don't think they've actually been casting anybody in them. Yeah. I think somebody's just had a bit of a wheeze and they've had some old knackered cars. Yeah. But it's a lot of effort to go with. They've mm. had to spray these cars pink. They've had to put stripes on them. They've had to get from somewhere yeah. massive Pornhub casting car stickers made. Maybe I'd first look at those kind of sticker places. Someone who works there yeah, who's kind of thought, wait a minute, idea, I could just whip yeah. one of these up in my free time, bang it all over that shitty car, spray it pink. Well, you be the I right. Here's my little thinking of this little particular prank, right? Yeah. Those cars will have had to be drivable, won't they? Yeah. To yeah. get them from it to be so, and they're not old cars, really. Yeah. They're not absolutely short. Yeah. So I reckon they're about a grand each of these cars at minimum. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Then they've sprayed these cats bubblegum pink <laughs> and badged them up. This is a three grand prank. Yeah. But is it a prank or is it some dirty bastard out there that's like, I know a way, I might, I might get lucky with this, you know what I mean? Who's just sitting around in the back of the car going, do you want to do? You want to be on porn up? Yeah, but there's a thing called, uh, I've heard from people, <laughs> uh, and through slight bits of research, the bang bus. <laughs> <laughs> <Which is laughs> Tell me more, sage brother. What is well, this bus of bang of which you speak? Well, apparently, a young lady gets in said bus <laughs> and gets railed. <laughs> but you think she comes out looking like a plasterer's radio. <laughs> But you think, is it someone who's a dirty bastard thinking, right, they think they're getting on pot. They're not going to get into a creepy van. So let's just make... We're not going to show the outside. We're just going to do his own bang bus, but we're going to lure him in with a good, yeah, like, healthy like a Kia Sportage. There's not enough room for a fucking one of them. <laughs> I bet you've done it in your bath. I'll put your legs out of the window I'm and that. I think now. I pop my cherry in a car. That's what I mean. There you go. You manage it. Well, there's a wheel. There's a exactly, way. Exactly, my friend. And they might have like a weird angle to this. You know what I mean? Where it's just maybe like, so, man, it's not subtle, is it? In all, I'm sure you could get pulled by police. You know what I mean? Yeah. You really need a car. It's a very odd one, is that? Yeah. I tell well, you, nobody's seen them driving off though, have they? Nobody said, oh yeah, we saw him heading towards Keighley. Yeah, yeah. You know. Unless it is ilkley bound in a garage somewhere. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like waiting for him to land again. The, the, the Pornhub ones. Mate, I'm not going to rest. I'm going to do more research on this matter, our kid. I'm going to get to the bottom of this. <laughs> Come back looking all fucked. I'm going, hey, it wasn't fake at all. Yeah. <laughs> so real. Now I'm going to eye wash it. 
<laughs> yeah, big blonde wig on that. Hobbling back. <laughs> well, he's the only one. Oh, she's the only one today. <laughs> Get in the back. Mm, I bet you hear more of this. This isn't over, isn't this? I don't one? Think this it's is, over, no. This is a strange one. No, so we'll keep an eye on If you happen to see a pink Pornhub car in your area, um, climb in the back and suck somebody off and let us know what's going on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> keep a sample of the DNA. <laughs> So we're staying in the vicinity of the curve again, I think. Yeah, it's nice and local. Yeah, keep it local, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like we travel around the world quite a lot in our in our minds. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, so we're gonna stay sort of locally to the curve now. And I don't know if you remember, sort of like yeah, a little bit back in time, but when we were kids, we always used to, when we used to go to Scarborough, mm. it was always a case that we, uh, the ice cream parlour, we always used to have to frequent up in Scarborough. The best ice cream in the area was Giaconelli's. I don't know if you remember Giaconelli's ice cream. Well, you no. have had Giaconelli's ice cream yeah, when yeah. you were a little kid. I know that. I can vouch for that. Yeah. Yeah. I can never remember Scarborough as a kid. I just remember like Lords of Hills and stuff like that. But yeah, it's, it's a bit like Scarborough. that. It's hard work is Scarborough. It is. It's really high. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's right high up. This is why like, all, all people go to Filey because yeah. it's flat as, a, flat as a pancake. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. But it's like, uh, but Scarborough, no, it's a little bit hilly. I, I like, well, I, I say I like Scarborough. Um, it's all right. Yeah. I tell you, the best bit of Scarborough is when it's gone out of town and it's just like that sea, you know, that drive around the coast. Oh, yeah, and it's yeah. It's a sea wall yeah. and all sea crashes up and that. That's, yeah, it's it's nice. that's, that's, that's nice really good. Yeah. It's a nice beach, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, around there, but actually, I don't like going into town. Those places are fucking it, yeah. awful. I hate them. Those people. I end up going, Ugh. you know, I do it out loud going, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll also come and fucking potty at me. I did it about eight times. I don't know I'm doing it. I'm just going, like, ugh. When you see him, you know, we see Alt Wallace. <laughs> Well, the thing is, I, I've always liked going to the seaside. One of my guilty pleasures going to the seaside is because um, I come away feeling like a physically superior specimen. Yeah. <laughs> like, you done right well. Like, look yeah. at me. I'm, I'm just gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not covered in scabs. Oh, I've got all my legs and ass. The minging troll like people, aren't they? That oh, love it. People in, in these massive cheap fleeces. Yeah. And just shambling around. And those ones with those snow wolf on them or something yeah, like that. They're just very like, odd really. Yeah. All those leisure suits. It's like a pure leisure suit on them, you know what I mean? Some tracks. Well, whenever I'm, I'm going around, I've always got the doors when you're strange. So I'm going around, you're yeah. like, you're like lost, lost boys and stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, baby, that's good. <laughs> because he's just full of oddities. Yeah, he's he yeah. uh, The reason, I mean, it's been a bit cruel, really, in a weird way, but a lot of the time, the reason why seaside towns are full of the. Uh, the Disgusting. <laughs> the, the, I don't know the people who are sort of on the way down rather than on the way up kind uh, of thing is because it's it's cheap um, accommodation. Oh, right, so yeah. like loads of councils is to kind of push people to uh -huh. the cheaper accommodation at the end of the world sort of thing. Also, uh, so, yeah. so they're living there. A lot of people live in there ah. because there might be there's a lot of B and Bs going on. There's a lot, and unfortunately as well a harsh one for for stuff like that there. Because I'm not saying these are the, the odd people, but it's like this. A lot of people who uh, you might be uh, immigrant families who sort of come yeah. from sort of somewhere or nowhere, you don't know where they're going on the way through, yeah. basically get thrust into a B&B &B sort wow. of like, and it's quite oh, hard. That'd be a bit of a shock thinking, oh, we're going to Blighty, we're safe, thank God, and you get to Scabber, yeah. seeing all them 
They've just come from sort of like war-torn states and yeah, stuff. Yeah. They've seen all sorts of monstrosities and horrors and things. Oh, yeah. They've had to cross the sort of scene of horrible little dinghy and lost <laughs> people and that. And they've eventually got to sort of like Scarborough and they go for a little walk and they go, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> it's that dinghy. Get me back on this. <laughs> just go straight up there. It's normally shot. Get a little yellow bit of dinghy and stand up. Trying to swim away again. Got a load of Syrians and sort of like paddling out to sea. <laughs> The people there are disgusting, <laughs> horrible, <laughs> so ugly. <laughs> the waffles are shit and overpriced. <laughs> I feel like I'm getting diabetes. <laughs> and the goddamn seagulls. <laughs> they're fucking, they're scary. Besides the fucking Thunderbirds themselves. They are, aren't they? They're evil, evil yeah. things. And did I tell you that time when a, a, a bloke a book I used to work with? <laughs> He'd been fishing off at sort of Bridlington Seawall. And it, it, as they'd be, be fishing off there, a, a bloke had got his fishing line tangled with a seagull. Oh, God. I'm, I, think I'm, I think I've told it on here before, anyway. I'll tell oh, it again, right. anyway. Right? And he's there going, oh, bloody hell, look at this. I've got myself a fucking seagull here. <laughs> and tide had gone out a bit, so enough that he could go, sort of like, walk along the seawall, <laughs> go down onto the beach, walk yeah. along, and sort of like go down and sort of start trying to untangle himself with the seagull. <laughs> so he went along, and everybody's watching him. And he got this fucking seagull and he's trying to untangle his line for him, right? And it went for him. Did oh, this shit. I think you did mention yeah. this all over. Fucking, he's got a fucking beak like a Stanley knife. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that dirty, dirty waffle beak. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Reeking oh. of chips and fury. Oh. Yeah, just cut him up to me. I had to go to hospital for stitches. Oh, man. I'd be TCP bath and everything, oh, man. I'd be bleak. And I'd kill a know. fucking seagull. So anyway, on that roundabout way, let's bring it back to the story. Yes, please. <laughs> so we've got a much more nicer sort of thing, the Jack and Ellie's ice cream, that sort of thing we always oh, used to yes. have, you know what I mean? They're really nice. Love an ice cream. And, but they're not there now, oh. which is quite sad, and do you know why? Mmm, right, Jack and Ellie's has a little bit Italian, yeah, yeah. mafiosa. A little bit, apparently. A little yeah. bit, sort of like, you're a bit organised crime. I would say yeah. some extortion ring that's been uncovered. In a weird way, <laughs> yeah, in a weird little way, yeah, because Peter Giaconelli was a big guy, 21 stone, big wow. fat lad he was wearing on his. Um, I used to fuck Jimmy Savile. <laughs> oh, shit. Yes. Whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa, 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 whoa. He used to, so he never received it of Jimmy. Oh, they used to together, they used to, but the thing is, to, uh, what I've, what I've, I didn't realise oh, until God, recently. God, you Fucking mouth, what? That is so fucking crazy. Don't say mouth, what? That's no, like, I'm going to spew. <laughs> Yeah, they, 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 they were in a, a sexual relationship. So Jimmy, and I, I mean, I, I've, I've seen Peter Jack and Ellie, right? And he's yeah. a big, fat sort. Is know. he a looker? No. <laughs> no, he looks like, you know, he, look, he does look like you, Italian. He looks like something from Goodfellas, kind of. Uh, thing, big know, hairy man. So, yeah, big hairy guy who wants to have a fight with you. Huh? Yeah. Oh, fuck like, you. <laughs> yeah, I'll kick your back doors in and suck you off. <laughs> now then. <laughs> so the whole scenario of him shagging Jimmy Savile or Jimmy, Jimmy Savile, because he used to have um, a holiday home there, didn't he, Jimmy, at Scarborough? Yeah. Well, it wasn't his holiday home. Oh, right. It was his mother's flat. Ugh. And that's the one where he used to keep all the dresses still. Eh? Mother? Yeah. Mother! <laughs> 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 what well, he, he was, when, when she died, 
he kept of oh, the Duchess he called it, yeah, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. And he kept the the uh, flat immaculate condition. And all her dresses, once once a year, he'd have them all sent to the dry cleans, every one of them. Shit. And they're all kept in perfect order, and all of the wardrobes in there. And I mean, you can't tell me Jimmy wants swanning around in that flat in them dresses, wasn't he? You know? he but that was his little shag den in, in Scarborough. Yeah. And apparently, together, him and Peter Giaconelli did molest 35 children there. Oh, shit. Yeah, absolutely appalling, you know what I mean? Oh. But it, was, it, it got me because the thing is, there. Pete Giaconelli was seen as like a, a pillar of the sort of Scarborough community as well. He did a lot of the same sort of thing. Yeah. A lot of good deeds for charities, mm, all that sort of stuff yeah. all the time. You know what I mean? Seems and a running theme does that. Running theme. Yeah. He's like, but he, he he ran out of rope a lot a lot sooner than Jimmy Savile did. Oh, you know what I mean? He was sort of like, but he still remained hidden much longer than he should have done. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. It was one of those situations where he should he shouldn't have done. But it was a case where he used to sort of basically just just buy kids. And buy their silence with money because he was so immensely rich. And funny, you're known as the king of the cornets. Oh, what's that weird rhyme? It haunts me a bit of that. The only emperor is the emperor of ice cream or something. What's that? What's that? Oh, it's dark, man. I read it somewhere and it's always like haunted me a little bit. There's a, a couple of other lines that go with it. I'll have to fucking look into that. Well, the thing is, there because it was. Um, <laughs> he, was a, he was a weird character in his own right, right? Was a, But. And there were complaints against the both of them all the way through, Jesus. you know what I mean? But Peter Giaconelli was in the Guinness Book of Records. Oh, for Arius Arse or something. No. In 1970, he entered the Guinness Book of Records for downing... Well, he was eating oysters. For eating oysters, right? Yeah. So he ate the most... In 1970, he ate the most of oysters in 48 minutes and 42 seconds. Sorry, so, so give me the fact. How many oysters? How many? Well, he, he ate a certain amount of oysters, oh, right? right? Now I think have you ever, have you ever eaten oysters? Yeah, 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 yeah. I like an oyster. Slipping straight yeah, down in a way. Yeah. How many oysters could you eat in forty-eight minutes and forty-two seconds? I'm now For, put forty-eight minutes. Yeah. Jesus, that's a lot of bloody scoffing. Is that? Yeah. How? I think, uh, I think you'd probably get given like an hour to eat as many as yeah. you can, and I think you'd probably hit his limit. But if you think how many you could physically consume oh, oyster like Jesus Christ! Wait up now, so fifty. I could not bear, even with a day, to do more than 50. You know what I mean? I, I mean, that's a, you'd, you'd make your will, wouldn't it? It just sat coming out of me somewhere, yeah. you know what I mean? It couldn't do any more. Peter Giaconelli, oh, paedophile and shagger of Jimmy oh. Savile, managed to consume in 48 minutes, 42 seconds, he ate 512 oysters. Oh, dirty, dirty. <laughs> oh, imagine the sight of him. Oh, he's a swallower, look. Jimmy, Jimmy's probably <laughs> rubbing it like, go on, no, swallow it, yeah. Swallow that oyster. You dirty Eric. I can keep that fucking stuff down. I can keep that one down, can Oh, man. Oh, after Jimmy's loads. Oh, that's no. So see me and Jimmy on a Friday night. Gallons. Pints. Oh, oh, you grim gits. Absolutely terrible. So you know, like, but how's it come out? Now has he carted? It's all come out like Jimmy. No, it, it, it was out, but I was looking at something else, and, uh, and this sort of popped up. It's actually a slightly older story, is this? 
and it just it just came out and I thought, oh my giddy go, you know what I mean? It's, it's a real dark side to seaside towns, isn't there? There is, yeah. Right, the, noncy bit to it. There is a really good um, book, and it was written by David Seabrook and uh, what? Quite And I've not finished reading it, and it's called All the Devils Are Here, and it was a weird book in that um, it was cult classic in yeah. a weird way or should I say it actually slipped under the radar it wasn't wow. really observed yeah, yeah. at the time and then a few people started reading it again and in 2018 it was republished because people were sort of thinking actually this is a very strange book and very interesting I want to read it already I don't know what it's about yeah it's um and it says uh, it's in a series. Of, it says here in a series of mysterious and incandescent writings, David Seabrook told of the places he knew best, the declining resort towns of the Kent coast. The pieces were no advert for the local tourist board. Here, the ghosts of murderers and mad artists crawl the streets. Septuagenarian rent boys recall the good old days, and Carry On stars go to seed. Clandestine fascist networks emerge, and all the time there is Seabrook himself, desperate perhaps, and in danger. Dark, strange, and immediate, this is a classic work of sui generis British literature. There are devils here, and the reader will remember them. Oh my god, I want that. I am I getting got, that for Crimball. I've, I've, I've got the book. I have got, got it. Well, the, the thing that gets me is, I don't know why it is recently, I've got so many books. Don't know where that one is. Oh, I have got it. Yeah. I've got it somewhere. It is somewhere. It's on my my. Maybe loft or something in a cardboard box. No, because I've got my books out. Oh, yeah. So it, may, it probably actually it might be just sort of tucked on the bookshelf somewhere. Oh, so right. I'll ferret it out and I'll get. Worst is like Lendo. No, I'm going to buy it. I'm, I'm never doing CDs, movies, or book loans. I, I won't take yeah. them. I won't give them because it just. Oh, I don't do that. But what yeah. I'll do is I'll leave it. I even recently what I've been doing is if I like a book, uh, I buy it online. I just yeah. buy it. Buy, even I buy it on eBay or something. Yeah, buy yeah. It for a couple of quid and give yeah, it exactly. to people. I always do that rather than lose my copy which just yeah, riles me but yeah, yeah so it's, you're right it's something about seaside towns um, and the best book I think one of the best books which really highlights that go on GBH? no oh go on yeah no I think the best book that highlights it is actually Brighton Rock by Graham oh, I've never read it I love the fucking film man the the film if you haven't seen it don't, don't look at the recent film look, yeah got, there's a recent film say, look, there's one that was done in the 90s or early oh, 2000s and it's, it's dog shit damn it yeah but the the original yeah, one sort man. of with Richard Attenborough I love them I mean? like old stuff when you think oh my god you always think it's, the past is all this you know like moral yeah and it's just as shitty and dark if not worse it's just so scary well it's it's actually the original of the book of uh, Brighton Rock. I think it's set in something like about sort of 19, I think it's pre World War Two or something. Oh. It's set in this weird time and it's insanely brutal and grim yeah. and grotty. And Pinky, the main character, who's played by uh, Richard Attenborough in the, in the film, yeah. um, he's the actual character. He's meant to be about something about 14 or 15. He's meant to be wow. very young. Yeah. But he's. Utterly ruthless and yeah. very, very quick with a knife, yeah. and he just doesn't take any shit from anyone. He's basically right. a psych he's a yeah, psychopath, yeah. Uh, and the brooding danger of the character uh, just seeps from the page, yeah. uh, and that again highlights that thing of the cheap paint of the boardwalk or this sort of like the the pier yeah. or the you know and the glitter and shine of like a seaside town really does 
it's only a thin veneer that that's covers it, a yeah, sort of grotty yeah. underbelly, you know. Yeah. And that's what I kind of love about Seaside. I know yeah. the others, like I say, Lost Boys give a great portrayal of it. It's like yeah. hiding in plain sight, you know, people moving through it, a transient town in it. Like GBH, yeah. I mentioned, you know, Palm uh, Baron that's after a mafia are after him. He has to go hide somewhere, yeah. so he kind of like goes to a seaside town where you can uh, well, hide in. Have plain you ever sight. heard the concept of like a liminal space? No. A liminal space is a place where you uh, they're almost like. It's a place where strange things. I think it's even a biblical concept, and it's where demons sort of lurk. Yeah. And it's because it's places like you know a, a good example of a liminal space is you know like under underpasses and roads. You know yeah. those, those the pedestrian pre, you know. Yeah, yeah. And you don't stop, do you? Yeah. You don't pause in places yeah, like that. Yeah. They say doorways are a liminal space. It's a place uh-huh. that you pass through from one area to another. Right. But these are places where, um, almost historically, devils lurk. Right. And in a weird way, seaside towns are liminal space. There's a space where the people who live there quite often are actually wanting to get out as soon as possible. Yeah. The people who are visiting there are only there temporarily. Yeah. Everything's shifting and moving and constantly moving. And it's, this is what I like about like the out of season of a seaside town is that the you everyone is stripped away then. Yeah, and the magic's the gone. People, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, the only thing that's left are the bones, and those bones are people who've been there forever and probably are never going to leave. You know, seems like that's what I like about Venice out of season. Yeah. Same sort of thing when all the terrorists are gone and it's grotty and everything's closed and it's just this bleak, dark, damp mm-hmm. place and all <laughs> you can do is smell the canals. And don't look back. And don't look back, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh you know? man, that's fucking great and creepy. That yeah. is so great and creepy. Dirty Italians and Jimmy and then the yeah. demons and devils. Of but it. what they're saying there though about in Scarborough, that it, I think to a certain extent they might only have scratched the surface. The mm-hmm. fact that there would have been a deeper, darker paedophile ring which was actually including a lot more people than they know. Exactly. You know yeah. And the only people who kind of really got the brunt of it was perhaps Giaconelli who caught it in the neck sort yeah. of thing. He might have been the fall guy for it. Exactly. But the real people sure. who sort of like um, turned a blind eye, yeah. if not actually covered for people like uh, Savile and for Giaconelli, yeah. those people are still... At the Yacht Club. Um, well, <laughs> <laughs> very possibly. <laughs> yeah. but it's, all, it's, all those, it's all the other sort of like little groups of, yeah, uh, who yeah. we're connected to as well. You know, I mean, I, would, I don't want to throw the Freemasons under the bus, but yeah. you know, the, these people who were members of societies, should I say, yeah. um, because there's absolutely no no evidence whatsoever that Freemasons are involved in anything like that, mm-hmm. uh, and. But Freemasonry is it's a closed secretive shop. And I bet Jimmy were well in there. I bet he was, he was balls well deep in there. Yeah, I, 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 have, uh, I have personal evidence that I know he was. Wow. I can't disclose. But there's also the fact is that every, his, I think it was his Tuesday morning club he used to have, Jimmy Savile, mm. where there was um, police uh, commissioners. There were pe- all the high up members of certain members of society would turn up for his sort of like you know his little sort of, sort of morning. It was almost like a supper club on a morning. But why all these people would uh, gather together in this well, in his flat at Roundy um, for this meeting and this get together, his little sort of like jolly, you know? Wow. Why would they be there? There's still this is something that's never been sort of. Uh, these are questions that never been answered, shall I say? Yeah, and what the hell were they doing in there? Yeah, what dirty daisy chains? And yeah. Stuff. People like us will never find out, mate. Mm. Yeah, because of dark places. Places where me and you shouldn't be lurking. Oh, let's go to Lake District this year. <laughs> Where? We'll fucking live at course.
As Yet Unexplained Series 2 is a six-part podcast written, performed, scored, and produced by Wesley Smith. The nuclear attack submarine USS Corkin, SSN-589, has been reported overdue at Norfolk. The submarine was scheduled to return to Norfolk at 1 p.m. today at the conclusion of a routine extended training operation. For the next six weeks, we will be looking at some of the most famous and mysterious tales of the strange, paranormal, and unexplained. If you are interested in the paranormal, then this podcast is for you. This show will delve into cases of UFOs, hauntings, folklore, murder, ghosts, historical mysteries, and things that simply cannot be explained. Please consider liking, subscribing, sharing, and even writing a review on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. In this series, we will be looking at Charterhouse, Ancient UFO Sightings, our two-part episode on the San Pedro Haunting, the USS Scorpion Mystery, and our Christmas Eve episode, The Mistletoe Bride. As yet, unexplained. So you want to move away from the coast mentally for a little while? Yes, please. <laughs> that got a little bit slippery, did that one. Well, how about um, we move to sort of almost like the centre of the country? Mm. We go up like the Pennine kind of area, that sort of the wilds. Yeah, and those, that's you know nice. I mean? Bit of hills and that. Like yeah, hills, but all, all hills are sort of a bit funny. They're, they're, some of them have a bit of a bit of a history. Oh, yeah. you know? This particular area has got a bit of history. But we're going a little bit further back in time for this one. And this is a story of the two giants of Saddleworth. All right. So it's a little bit different because it's not sort of obviously, you know, there's troubled times in the areas and stuff, but it's like, a, and it's a strange place. If you've never been across Saddleworth Moor, it is a strange, strange place. It's got an atmosphere, shall we say. Oh, maybe. is it I that Moor? Yeah, yeah. But oh. it's like, you know. But um, this is quite interesting because this is going back in history to... to um, it's like a legend, right. a legend of the area. And um, I've seen it written quite basically in a lot of places, this legend. It's just sort of like a couple of lines. But there's a writer here called B.B. Kindred who's online, and they wrote what I find an absolutely amazing story. Really. Yeah. And I'm going to recount this story now, because I think it's, it's really interesting. I, I can't concentrate till you say his name again, please. B.B. Kindred. B.B. <laughs> King. Dread. Oh right! I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it stands for. I don't know what it stands for. But there's a lot of things. Yeah, like this I know. I feel better yet. now, though. You can. I want that. This is BB King. Exactly. You're doing it like a blues southern voice. I won't the be concentrating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can concentrate. I'm sorry. I'm a blues man. <laughs> so this is the two giants of Saddleworth Moor. Once upon a time, too far away for you to count, up here on this hill and that one over yonder, there lived two giants, Alfin and Aldair. Now nobody knows how this came to be, the giant's home, but here they were, twenty foot tall apiece and as bulky as bears. There were no other giant mothers or fathers, no brothers or sisters or children, just them two, Alfin on one hill and Alder on the other, with a great wide valley in between. 
The village folk had no fear of them. What with Alfin and Alda being kind? Should rocks fall from the hills after the deep winter snow and block the track through the valley? Well, Alfin and Alda would clear them away, as if they were but pebbles. And if the sheep were lost, Alfin and Alda would reach up and scan the land for them, picking them up and setting them down by the side of their shepherds. But most of all, if trouble came from yonder, Alfin and Alda would roar so fiercely that those troublemakers would run in terror, never to return. All in the village were grateful to Alfin and Alda, and every year, come Yule, they would sing songs to them and dance and leave offerings, which were but tiny morsels to the giants, but tasty morsels all the same. Now giants are generally shy creatures and keep mostly to themselves, but all need company now and then. So having no other of their kind about these parts, Alfin and Alda were friends and knew each other's place in things. But then one day, Alfin heard a voice coming from the spring that ran down the side of his hill, like no voice he'd ever heard before. He crept towards the heavenly sound, and there he spied the Lady Rimon, a water nymph, talking to the spring with her long raven hair swirling around her pretty face, as if she were under the water, not above it, and the silken shift she wore clinging to her form. You see, water nymphs usually stay in the lowlands, dancing through the rivers or floating in the lakes, but Rimon was willful and curious about where the water she tended and nurtured came from. So she wandered into far reaches where other nymphs generally did not go. As she turned her face towards Alfin, she showed no fear of him, but smiled in innocent wonder, and he was struck. From that day forward, wherever Rimon roamed, he followed and they became the beloved ones, bonded and blissful. Alder wondered what could have happened to Alfin, until one day he spied him with Rimon and was bewitched by her beauty too just as Alfin had been. At first Alfin welcomed him, and all three wandered together, but soon enough the two giants were growling at each other over her favour, even though it was Alfin who Rimon loved. If Alfin adorned her with a garland of daisies, well, Alder would find her a garland of cornflowers. If Alder plucked the sweetest fruit from the top of the pear tree, Alfin would search for the juiciest apples that this fair land could offer. And so it went over and over, and in no time at all, hearts swollen from blind passion and heads full of rushing blood set Alfin and Alda against each other, and they strode forth to fight for the hand of Rimmon in the ancient ways of giants. The sky drew dark and thunder roared as they raced to the top of the hills, the very earth shaking as their feet pounded over the ground, sending the birds and animals to their hollows and nests while the villagers ran to their homes in fear. It was Alder who threw the first boulder, way across the valley and onto Alfin's pike. It missed, landing about a few feet away from him, tearing into the sodden peat and covering Alfin with mud and stones. Now Alfin's rage became a torrent and his strength grew still more. He picked three boulders up and one by one hurled them at Alder, each landing but inches away from his feet. As soil and dust began to cover the brooding sky, Alder now, not even remembering sense nor reason, found the greatest boulder that had ever lain upon his hill and he threw it with all his might, and it took Alfin down in one. When Rimmon heard that Alfin was lost, she wailed and screamed through the valley so lamentably that the sound could be heard all the way to the sea. 
her tears would not stop and filled the river until it became a flood that threatened to swallow the village. As the people made ready to flee from all they knew, Rimon could bear it no more. She climbed Alfin's hill, throwing herself from the jutting black rocks, diving like a swallow until she met her death and could once more be with her beloved. And the people gathered her broken body up and laid her in the river, so that in the way of her kind she could be carried down to the eternal sea. And when the blood came down from Alder's head, his sorrow could have filled the valley and all the other valleys in every corner of the world. And Alder resolved to pay his penance and walk the land for age after age, doing only good for no reward. And in time his humility shrunk him down, so that in the end he could not be seen as different to any man in any way, and he at last found peace. And every year, come the anniversary of Rimon's death, a soft rain would fall on the hills, and the rain was named the Tears of Rimon. And they were not tears of sorrow, but joy for eternal union. And the people would take the water from the great stone bowls that we now sit by and drink, for it is said to have the power of healing. Wow. <coughs> Wowzers. <laughs> Fucking water nymphs. It's like Angie outside. <laughs> causing all That's that not bother. The same. <laughs> Trouble, mate. That's very Trouble. different. Well, it is, isn't it? You see, it's, yeah. the, it's the thing. The peaceful guys cracking on, exactly. you know, doing the little thing, you know. And they got their head turned by in a water nymph. And it's not her fault either, you know what I mean? Mm. I don't think she was being flirty gurty. Yeah, I think she was, yeah. you know. Yapping all natural, it just happens. It? It's just one of those things sometimes, you know what God. I mean? God. It's funny, even like, you know, I love Tolkien and. I think he did gain. He's he ain't just fiction. I think he, he took his uh, writings and ideas from a lot of history, didn't he? Oh, you know he, I mean? he, he acknowledges that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It is. It's yeah. public, isn't it? Um, but that bit with like the, um, you know, that bit when they're trying to cross over the snowy mountains. Yeah, and the, the, you know the. Giants are lobbing massive yeah, stones. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just funny that it's quite a, a repetitive one with giants in it, like yeah, chucking stones about. Very much so, yeah. Is it the giant's causeway as well? Very much, yeah, yeah, same thing, yeah. Chucking, chucking stones about, yeah. yeah, yeah excellent, awesome. excellent bit of writing. Yeah, it's it just sits so local as well, I and mean, you never hear of it. It's no, like, not at all. I mean, you think, yeah. I love that, and I think those two peaks are still there. You can still yeah. see those peaks oh, wow. actually on the, on the, up on Saddleworth now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I, I, I just think it's because it's those of you who don't know Saddleworth, right? Uh, it is a very bleak, windswept place. The M62 goes across mm. it. It's the highest motorway in the UK. Weather can be brutal up there. Really, mm. really brutal. It's well known for being sort of like a harsh environment, mm, you know. Definitely. And but. I mean, a lot of people, all you see is from the motorway, but actually mm. when you get across onto the top tops and around it, it's, it's a strange place, you yeah, know. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, it's... Uh, but the, the weird thing is there, something I need to look into, is the talk of the water bowls that they're talking about. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is something I study an awful lot of, which I think it could be the cup and ring stones which are up there. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah and that's yeah, something I'm very interested in, which we have a lot of, yeah. you know... It just you know, have a little Google of cup and ring stones if, you, if you're a little bit interested because I have actually illustrated a book on the subject, uh, and um, and a lot of them are actually around the uh, around the cove area. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. upon Ilkleymore, there's on uh, the Otley Shevin, there's all all around the area. They're very strange and mysterious. So make sure you get your Google search right with that cup, you know that cup and three yeah. cups, one, you know <laughs> cup and ring yeah, stones. Yeah, so it's not yeah. two girls, one cup. <laughs> <laughs> Is that right, funny? I was there as well. What's with that funny? 
house, you know, right? Like, middle of fucking, yeah. you have to drive around it. Or something. Yeah, that's true. Like, so. well, it's, house, there's, there's, um, again, a lot. It's quite famous, but actually, where the motorway sort of goes across the one of the highest areas on the moors, it actually the motorway splits the lanes, split, yeah. and they actually go round a farmhouse which is sat in the <laughs> middle. Of there. You just want to check his yeah. head, like you stupid bastard. Good yeah. lad. Yeah. No, I know, I know somebody who's, it knows the girl who grew up there. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And oh. ap- apparently. From what I can gather, because the, the the legend has it that the farm is still there yeah. because he wouldn't sell. Wow. That was the rumour that he I wouldn't sell. It. So they said, right, well, if you won't sell, we'll go around you. Yeah, yeah. But apparently the truth of the matter is that, or so I can gather, yeah. is the actual land in that central patch is bog. Ah. So if they did try and build there, it would be unstable. But I may I may be wrong mm. in that. But I can do a little bit of research. Yeah, it's yeah. an interesting bit of novelty. To yeah, it, yeah, that's it. You know, so yeah. it is an interesting sort of little place. You yeah. know, so yeah, a bit bit different. Yeah. But moving straight on from that particular story, mm-hmm. I do have another story. See, beautiful. And this is uh, a story. This is a last story. It's an account. Right. It's an account by uh, Tom Slemon, and he writes, in the summer of 1962. A 25-year-old Huyton man, so I think that's a town nearby, a little village. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think he's actually over a Liverpool way, actually. Right, yeah. Um, he, uh, he's a man named John Garnet Chaffins. He met a beautiful 19-year-old girl at a party at Whiston named Joanne Carlson. John and Joanne, uh, they fell madly in love with one another. Uh, but the only obstacle to the romance was a distance of nearly 60 miles because Joanne lived in the little town of Home Firth in West, West yeah, Yorkshire. So John borrowed some money from his father. And he brought a, he bought a Morris Minor, right, <laughs> cool. which uh, to make the twice weekly journey to see his girlfriend. Now, if, if like other listeners that don't know what a Morris Minor is, the nearest thing you can get to is like a VW Beetle. Yeah, it's, it's our beaut- the British version. <laughs> it's one a of beautiful them, really. car. Yeah, they are a beautiful little car. You know, yeah. sturdy little uh, sturdy little tank of a car. So one night in September 1962, at around 11:30 p.m. John was taking Joanne home via the A635. And it's a lonely road which crosses some of the most bleak moorland of Greater Manchester. And um, and on this night, as the car was passing through Saddleworth Moor, the low, oppressive, opalescent, moonlit clouds started to billow and change shape as if a whirlwind-like atmospheric disturbance was stirring them up. Uh, but the uh, one thing I will point out, the A635, that was the only route across the moors for a good while before the motorway was built. Right, yeah. And it's a winding, sort of like, lonely, lonely road. Mm. And people didn't use that route anywhere near as much as they use the motorway now. It was yeah. like, if you, only if you had a purpose. So people had to, there were wagons going across in all yeah, sorts of yeah. times, but certain times of the night, you'd get quiet because it's yeah, a real bleak, quiet. desolate place. But with these weird clouds that were starting to billow and swirl and stuff, right... John uh, John Garnet Chaffins, he says he described him of the blossoming shapes of drops of milk make when they disperse in a tumbler of clear water. God. You know that kind of billowing. I, I know, yeah. all, even like inking water and stuff, that yeah, weird billowing. It. It's that kind of effect, he says, it was just like that. Now, Joanne had a phobia of storms after being struck by lightning as a child. Oh, bless him, man. Right? And gazing at the turbulent heavens beyond the windscreen, she clung on to Jen- John's left arm as he drove along the road. And a strange grey mist rolled along the moors and covered the road ahead, and as the clouds continued to billow into strange, unnatural forms, Joanne let out a yelp and asked, What's that over there? And what? said John, startled by his girlfriend's outburst. And at the same time, the car stalled and its electrics failed. Oh, God. And Joanne pointed to something shadowy towering 
which was loping across the moorland to the left of the road. And it looked vaguely human in shape, but it was gigantic. Oh my god. About 50 feet in height, and it had a strange, faint orange glow around its body. This giant entity was leaning heavily in the direction it was walking at an angle of about 25 degrees, seemingly about to topple forwards, yet it remained upright. You're like walking at a really stiff wind kind of thing, that sort of thing, you know. Joanne wound the window down, and now she and John could hear the slow, rhythmic thuds of the oversized humanoid as it moved across the moor. And at one point, the head of the creature turned to face the car, and the young couple saw its eyes flare up into two bright points of white light. The face looked flat, with a prominent protruding bottom jaw. And about 500 yards away, in the gathering mist, John and Joanne noticed a second gigantic figure. Only this one was in silhouette, but it looked like it was coming towards them. Joanne began to scream, and John attempted to restart the car. When the nearer giant stepped over the road ahead with one gargantuan stride, the car started and John reversed the vehicle, travelling blindly backwards in the mist until he managed to turn the car around. Jesus, this is insane. He was about to drive all the way back to Liverpool when he saw a group of figures walk out of the fog and come down the road towards the vehicle. They all had black hooded robes on that were similar to the habits worn by monks. John beeped his horn and flashed his headlamps, but the crowd of about a dozen men continued to bar the way. So John tried to call their bluff by revving the vehicle and accelerating forward for about 12 feet before he slowed and braked. And one of the hooded strangers broke away from the group and ran around the Morris Minor to the driver's window, and with some urgency, John told Anne to wind up her window. The tall hooded man had wild staring eyes as he looked through the driver's side window and in a Scottish accent he told John to open the door, but John revved the car. The weirdly dressed Scotsman then produced a dagger and looked as if he was trying to smash the window with the handle. And John floored the accelerator and the Morris Manor shot down the road and the other hooded figures dived out of the way. (laughs) And a few years ago after the weird event, John was watching TV and a picture of the Moors murderer, Ian Brady, and he was uh, appeared on TV, and he was fairly certain that he was the very same Scottish weirdo in the monk's habit with a dagger who had told him to leave that foggy night. Oh, on my Mars. fucking God. I bet Savile were in that Italian bloke with him. Yeah, well, he's... Um, <laughs> so those who don't know who Ian Brady is, he was one of the Moors murderers who was guilty of murder of many... Children, oh, torture and murder. Can't children. read that one. Can't no, ever it's, read it's it. the darkest. It's, it's the darkest. Very, very bleak. So one night in November 1970, John and Joanne, who were now married, took the same route to visit Joanne's parents down the A635. This time in the new car, which was a Ma- Morris Minor Traveller. Nice. You know, the, those who don't know that one, it's the same as a Morris Minor, but it's got this like, like a lovely wooden coachwork yeah. back. It's like an estate car. It's lovely. The time was midnight as they passed Saddleworth Moor, and there were two giant figures again striding about across the foggy, desolate landscape. And this time, John sped along the road and got out of the area in record time. And they've never been back. But these devils are apparently called the the Yovar. Now, I've tried to look into what these are, right? 
and they say that Yovar demand human sacrifice or they would send plague and destroy crops. But I've looked online now for the Yovar and I can't find anything on the Yovar. Apart from it being a Yovar being an Eastern European name. Alright. Yeah, so that's the only thing. Unless but it's lost to time. We can't tr- put all this trust no, into you internet. Can't, you know, no. there'll be some shady book somewhere that's got it yeah. in it. So what's your thoughts on that? Absolutely mind blowing, eh? Yeah. Did, did uh, Brady have a Scottish accent? Yeah, he was Scottish. <gasps> yeah, yeah. Were he? Yeah. Oh, Jesus yeah. Christ. But the thing I think there is linking the two, so there's been an eyewitness sighting to something giants walking the moors. Yeah. These giants of mythology walking the moors on those bleak, bleak landscape up there, you know? Yeah. And it's like, you know, any, but to me, anything could be going on up there at those moors because there's so few people out there. Yeah, yeah. Right, you've got all the cars travelling past, but. If, if you've ever up there, the weather is so absolutely abysmal that sometimes the, the you can't see anything. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? The fogs just roll in from nowhere. This sideways rain, which will just literally blow trucks over like sort of like matchboxes. It's the bleakness. It is. I've never been a bleaker area. All right, you've always got it in your mind when you go down there. What's happened there? But it, there's somewhere else there. It's always yeah. bloody there's horrible. a dark, cursed feeling to it. Yeah, and yeah. what is another thing which Ben was going to allude to earlier is the fact that there's still bodies upon the moors of the children yeah. which have never been discovered. And that's one of the saddest things in the world. And, uh, and Ian Brady himself died in jail, never actually giving up the secret. Exactly. But, yeah. he, he relished that as well. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Just a tiny bit of power he had left with him. Yeah, horrible, vile horrible individual, bastard. vile person. Yeah, so it's like, you know. But then again, he was uh, some sort of like devil worshipping kind of character. You know what I mean? Yeah. We know what side he's, uh, he's south of heaven now, isn't he? <laughs> exactly. We're right into Marky Desaad and all yeah. that sort of stuff, on it. And just like, wowzers, man. You know what I mean? But is this some death cult that's keeping us all safe? Uh, yeah, away <laughs> from the jail. Well, the, the the concept there actually was more that they would summon the Yovar. Ah. So maybe that's what it could be, but who knows what, what the Yovar were. Or why the original ones, the original giants in the, in the myth there, yeah. they were good giants, weren't yeah, they? You know, Whereas so these Yovar, these, the other demons, they're thinking, out. or maybe people are just mistaken, maybe they are, the good giants are still there, mm-hmm. but the people who are of, of dark thoughts and dark deeds, maybe they're sort of thinking, oh, we're summoning these giants but maybe they're not oh, that's just an incredible story yeah. and I know it's an old one to say but it's that fucking crazy who makes stuff like that up yeah. you, know I mean? you don't make that yeah. up oh, I've seen massive giants driving yeah. about on the walls you yeah. say right wifey right, we've got to stick to this story for all his life you know, we're going to come out with it and stick yeah. to it and make all, you just that is such a yeah, weird going on, yeah. it's nothing weird and actually seeing it yeah, yeah. there ain't nothing to gain nothing to gain so next time if you happen to be going across the, A60, uh, the M62 on the way at Manchester, on the way at Leeds, one way or other, you know what I mean? As you're sort of getting on those high patches there, we might be covered in snow, or there might be yeah. wild winds and mists sort of blowing. Just just be careful. Have a look out for little orange glowing forms, exactly. white fog. sharp eyes. There's something in the fog. I'm <laughs> 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 weary for the springtime when we take the road once more. For the planting and the purling and the berry fields of blur, we'll meet up with our kinfolk from all the world around. When the gang of bird folk take the road and yellows on the broom, when yellows on the broom, when yellows on the broom, and I'll get you on the road again. When yellows on the broom. 
Well, our kids. Oh, don't say it. It's that time. Oh, I've been um, loving the call. I've been loving it. Oh, no. But it is. But, you know, we always sort of like, um, we, we dart around. We've been at the East Coast a lot. We've mm. been in the Midlands of, of England, haven't we? We've been yeah, there. We've yeah. gone back in time a little bit this time, you know. Been all over. <clears throat> so it's a little treat just for you, Benny. You Ooh. Know? Let's go into space. Yes. <laughs> it is spacey. Or, to a certain extent, perhaps space is coming to us. Oh. Because I've got a question for you, right? Where do spaceships go to die? <laughs> Wowzers. That's it, scrappers. Yeah, I'm going to stick with that scrapyard. Scrapyard? Yeah. <laughs> well, weirdly enough, no. Uh. Because if you think about it now, the issue you've got with spaceships is like if they're up there and, like, you know, got. How do you get the spaceships down to go to the scrappers? Ah, uh, got you know. Because a lot of them don't land like yeah, they used to. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, it's up in orbit, satellites, jump. things like that. So it's going to be how if it's spinning round in the gravitational pull, going round, does it jettison off? Does it get sucked in to the moon? To the moon. Yeah. That's quite a nice one. But weirdly enough, if you did see how far away from the Earth the satellites are actually flying, they're yeah. so close, they're almost like just still... Wow. If, if you were to step back, they'd look like they're still stuck to the Earth. All Whereas right, the distance yeah. to the Moon is like insanely far away, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? So the dope, it's a good guess though, yeah. because you need to hurl them into another planet's or a Moon's gravitational yeah. pull. It might be that, but no, they don't. They actually do get sucked into our um, gravitational pull. Wow, yeah. But you can't just have these things landing anywhere, can you? Yeah, yeah. So the place they go to is Point Nemo. <laughs> That's brilliant. Point Nemo. Point Nemo. And the reason why they've got Point Nemo is because there's a point on Earth which is furthest from land. Right, yeah. Right, and this is in the Pacific Ocean, and it's a point that lies 2,700 kilometres from any land. Christ. And this is where all the spacecraft are programmed when it's time to die, there's like a kill switch, there's like a kill program. Wow. And that is what's activated. And all the spaceships and all the things then, that is where they're programmed oh, to land. Weird. Is it going to be under the sea there? Yeah. So this is from Tory Shepherd from The Guardian. And it says, at the furthest point from any landmass on Earth, and four kilometres under the sea, lies the space cemetery. <laughs> when the outer space journeys come to an end, Old satellites, rocket parts, and space stations are sent to this desolate spot in the Pacific Ocean to rest on a dark seabed forever. The technical name for this stretch of water is the Ocean Point of Inaccessibility because it lies about 2,700 kilometres from any land, but is more commonly known as the Space Cemetery or Point Nemo. Named after the fictional submarine captain in Jules Verne's 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Have you read it? No, I've oh, seen it. It's an amazing book. It? It's a good book. Actually, I started it. I did start yeah. it because I got some of the like, smoking to uh, seaweed and stuff. Yeah. Thinking, That's clear. That's what I'm Yeah, it's highly readable. It's a very, very good book. And it's here that the International Space Station, I'll get this. The football field sized laboratory orbiting Earth. Wow, that's how big it is. I now. didn't know that. I didn't know that, no. You keep adding bits to it. And that's where it's going to end up. Because reports emerged this week, well, not this week, but a few weeks ago yeah. now, that um, there's cracks in the International Space Station occurring. While the fissures may not spell its imminent demise, it's certainly in its twilight years. When spacecraft die, they become a danger to everything else in orbit. 
Space debris is rapidly clogging up space and at orbital speeds of up to 17,500 kilometers an hour. Jesus. Even tiny specks of paint can cause serious damage to other spacecraft oh. because they hit like a shotgun pellet. Wow. That's if you hit a bit of paint that's traveling in the other direction. Yeah. Uh, so for example, you're traveling at 17,000 miles an hour. If a piece of paint is traveling in the other direction at the same speed, that's 34,000 miles an hour. Oh. So even just slight little crumbs of anything could just Mate, rip. It's bad enough when you decorated, isn't it? Bit of paint. <laughs> <laughs> Get that in your paper, you fuck, <laughs> aren't you? <laughs> So according to NASA, there are thousands of, bits of, thousands of bits of space junk out there. And there's so much junk that we are worried about. One tiny collision could trigger a big train, chain reaction. <laughs> right? And this possibility is called the Kessler effect. Wow. And the Kessler effect, or Kessler syndrome, is the potential for the amount of debris in orbit to reach a critical mass where each collision creates more pieces of debris in a cascading way oh to the point God. where the orbit is no longer usable. So you'll have one piece of paint hit one small satellite, smash loads of bits off of it. Those little bits hit something bigger, bit by bit. It's just oh that. God, then you tidal have wave of shit. Well, what you'd end up with is almost like a, one of Saturn's rings. Oh yeah, yeah. So that whole orbital band oh, would be just filled with shit, <laughs> tiny, tiny particles where you couldn't flow through it anymore because obviously oh, you'd get ripped, destroyed. Yeah. Jeez, and create more of it. That's it. So to prevent such a disaster, anyone launching something into orbit these days has to have a plan to either send it into graveyard orbit or send it back down to burn up in Earth's atmosphere. Yeah. So very high satellites can be blasted further into space out of harm's way with the last of their fuel. That's the graveyard orbit. Yeah. And closer satellites can be nudged out of orbit and the smaller ones will burn up entirely on re-entry. Those that don't burn up can crash to Earth in an unplanned trajectory, like China's Long March 5B rocket or the Skylab space station, which hit Western Australia. So there is some of them have just kind of gone haywire. Thought, oh, wow. we've lost contact. Shit. And oh, we're just going to see where it lands. Hot luck where it goes. Exactly. It could hit New York. It could hit London. Oh, it could God. hit anywhere. Yeah, it's going to be very I mean. bad luck day, but it's yeah, totally that's possible. It could hit anywhere. You know what I mean, it could hit the curve. Oh my God. <laughs> But it's generally preferable that instead of potentially careening into inhabited land, the debris is carefully guided to splash down at Point Nemo. It's clever that they can do that, you know what I mean? Like, last bit of juice or something like that. That maths equation must be a fucking hell. Well, they, don't, they don't, need, don't need an awful lot of juice to do it. Yeah. What they do, they've got little retro blasters or a little bit of something. Um, then that all it needs is just like a ch -ch -ch mathematical, you can just nudge it into space, yeah, yeah, yeah. hit a mathematical orbit. Uh, it's all guided. I mean, you think now we've, we've got these garb uh, with the guidance computers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can almost land it on a fucking... You know, on a handkerchief somewhere, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Back in the day, I mean, back in the sort of space shuttle time, the space shuttle was guided by a, a, a computer which was played. Well, Simon says. Laughter <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. bit. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit it's like that. Yeah, it's the same sort of chip that you get in your fucking pocket watch or yeah. your, your pocket calculator that you yeah, get now. Yeah. It's more powerful than the computer that was guiding the, the, uh, the shuttle at the time. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's amazing what they did with what they had. That's yeah, why I find yeah. amazing, just yeah. the mechanical stuff. Yeah, you know? yeah. And it's even like it got to the point where one of the, guide, uh, the navigation systems or guidance systems for landing on the moon Whereas they did have like a form of computer doing it, you know. Yeah. One thing they did have was it was etched onto the glass on the porthole 
of the window of the of the machine was uh, was landing. That's what we're using as well as a guidance. So they're using it by eye, little crosses and little notches and little Shit. things. They're using that as a right. I'll get my eye there. Oh, there we go. That's about the, you know, fifty feet. The size of their balls. I don't think. Yeah. Have there been bigger balls than that? I don't think there's ever been bigger balls because the idea of like if you did land and then you just suddenly sort of felt one of your legs and your little spacecraft yeah. break. I wonder if they had a suicide pill. The, I bet they had a lot of stuff that we just can't even yeah. comprehend, you know. Because they've, they've been ready for it. Because even before they landed on the moon, they got so close that all the um, uh, warning signals all went off all at once as they were approaching the landing. Oh, and they still had the option then to just go back into orbit yeah. and say, "Oh, oh abort, abort!" Yeah. And they just overrode the lot and landed. Fucking balls! Balls of steel, mate. Balls of steel. Balls. Yeah, the, you know. And it's, wow. But then again, you know, people say, "Oh, they don't make people like that anymore." Loads of volunteers to go to Mars and not come mm, back. Yeah, yeah. Fucking Billy Bonkers. Yeah, I think it's that adrenaline junkies out, like you said before, like that, you know, they're all like yeah. massive um, fighter pilot, like yeah. test run things out there. I think it would be quite good, though, going on holiday to uh, Point Nemo on like yeah. a yacht and just oh, sort of like, if yeah. you can get scuba. further enough away and just. Uh, scuba. Well, just what? Well, it's four kilometres down, so you wouldn't be able to yeah. see anything, but just the idea of like you're sort of sitting around, like having a nice my tyre thing on your little yacht, yeah. just waiting for something to burn up through the atmosphere oh, and hit the sea. Yeah. <laughs> can you all imagine seeing? the International Space Station crashing oh down. Oh my god. Size of football field. That's blazing like through epic, the sky. Isn't it? Like, you can't comprehend yeah. it. And it ain't seeing that big splash and stuff. It's really cool, on it. Yeah. Uh, it oh. you. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about being it. I mean, like, um, I think we better check to see the dolphins have given up their yeah, onslaught. Yeah, I can't hear any onslaught. They must have run out of stones, to be honest with you. There's only there's like pebbles and shit. And the corals think, being used up. I think we need to go crack out the tins of tuna for tomorrow morning. And yeah, make, sure, yeah, make our peace with them. Because yeah, let's face it. Exactly. I mean, Robo Pete's due along soon. And they'll just sink his boat again, won't they? Exactly. Learn. Papa fucking dolphin gets out of him again. For no, no, rag him around, make him twice as ugly as he is now. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, it's, uh, just remains for me to say it's a big bye-bye from Matt. No, it's a big bye-bye from Benny. See you later, there are three ways you may contact Kraken Cove. Either by email at podcast at gmail.com On Twitter at Cove, Or Instagram at Pod. Ha ha!